You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Hi, Riverdale gang. Uh, We are back for season two. I say we are back, but actually we are sort of new. Uh, My name is Ryan Karen. And my name is Chloe Packer. I have a last name. (laughs) Sometimes. Yes. And um, we are going to be running the Riverdale Gang this season. Uh, We're taking over from Anne and Tia's wonderful work last year um, for a fresh new delve into this weird pseudo-Middle America reality vaguely Lynchian, (laughs) sexy teen, romp in the woods, hot mess of a television show. All entirely shot in Vancouver, which gives Ryan and I a little bit of extra, like, it gives me anyway, a little (laughs) bit of extra zhuzh, because I keep going like, oh, I know that street corner, oh, that's my high school, oh, yeah. If you're confused, we are recording this in Vancouver, Canada. Technically the home of Riverdale. Technically the home of all Middle America. True. We're coming to you from Riverdale. This is Riverdale Gang from Riverdale. Your high school is Riverdale, isn't it? My high school is Riverdale High. Well, there's two high schools that are Riverdale (laughs) High. There's Lord Bang Secondary, which is my alma mater. And then there's, um, I think the other one is either Prince of Wales or Point Grey. I can't remember which. Anyway, we walk by the Riverdale High Schools on the regular. We do. Um, So that's our our special personal connection. Um... I am really psyched to be jumping in and talking about this beautiful hot mess of a show with my very dear friend, Chloe. Um, we really fell in love with this show last year, uh, and it's it's a, like, love-hate-love relationship. Yeah. Coming in right out of the gate, I want to say we are going to be critical fans of this um, beautiful monstrosity. I grew up with a, <laughs> an entire wall of bookshelves of Archie comics when I was a kid, so I, I have, like, a deep-seated built-in love for these characters, and, like, I inherited boxes and boxes of these comics from my uncle as well, so I've got a collection in boxes back in my home, in my parents' house, um, that dates back to the 50s. Wow, Uh, that's incredible. I only think I read the ones that were coming out in the the 90s. Yeah. Those are the only ones I've read. And that included a lot of the reprints of the 50s. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so I was uh, deeply terrified when this show was announced because <laughs> of the initial plot synopsis. And as it happened, I had um, friends working on day calls and the lighting of this thing who uh, uh, told me in advance of the show, yeah, it's it's just as campy and ridiculous as the news reporting suggests it's going to be. So um, I came in with trepidation um, and enthusiasm, uh, and I was not disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually remember why I started watching Riverdale, to be honest. Um, I am a bit of a snob, and I'm not crazy about trash television. So this is an unusual venture for me, but I absolutely love this show. Um, Mm. I just, just love it. And I think one of the reasons I love it is because it's shot in Vancouver and it feels familiar. Mm. Even though the show is like a completely preposterous version of reality, it still has a familiarity. It's the same reason I sat through the Twilight movies, which I didn't like. <laughs> it was because it felt familiar, even though um, even though it was, you know, sparkling vampires who want to eat their girlfriends. Also mostly shot, shot in, somehow. like, northern Washington. So, like, basically next door. Yeah. Well, no, some of it's shot in Vancouver. Like, oh. it's, it's some of it's, like shot in the theater that I used to go to all the time with my <laughs> with my mom. The Ridge Theater, which is no longer there. 
So yes, since we live in the sets practically, yeah, we we have an affinity to this beastie. Yes, and um, I I guess I had no idea what to make of the show last season. Like, we're not yeah. going to recap exactly, but uh, we're definitely coming in with a fresh new vibe into season two. Um, yeah. It certainly felt a little off the rails at points last season or like they didn't know there were supposed to be rails or they forgot rails between episodes but um i found that was kind of some of the charm like i i used to love watching shows like glee right and it took me a solid two seasons to accept how bad glee had gotten (laughs) before i fully like Gave up because Glee was a really sharp, tight show for the first thirteen episodes. It was over the top and ridiculous, but it was pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverdale was never tight, mm-hmm. and I think that's that okay. that's something I like about it. It was it's it's been all over the place from day one, and so I was never expecting anything beautifully plotted out. And so I I've been constantly surprised by these moments, by these scenes, uh, by these plot lines that. Yeah. Uh, jump into some kind of realness. <laughs> and then suddenly we have Dark Betty off um, terrorizing people in hot tubs. Yeah. That's also something I like about this show is that it is, I agree, it's completely off the rails. It's it's deep trash. I wrote down a genre <laughs> that I think this fits into, which is weird dark trash. I've made mm-hmm. that up. Weird dark trash. That's what I would call Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even though there's this, so... We're just going to assume you've seen season one and that you're okay with spoilers. So get ready, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Go away if you haven't seen season one. Uh, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. It's all on Netflix. Jump. <laughs> um, the scene sort of towards the end of the season where Archie's like punching the glass to get Cheryl out of the river. Like, teen suicide <laughs> is a real topic. Suicide generally is a real topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the suicide of the suicides of rich teenagers who have empty lives is an interesting subject but here we are with ice getting punched you know what i mean like i love mm-hmm. the intersection of like the the huge emotions and the realness and also the complete fabrication and i think there's a lot of that in season two so i'm excited to jump in yeah um and full (laughs) disclosure we're jumping on board a little late to the game so we've seen a few of the first season two episodes we're starting with episode one uh begin as you plan to continue yeah uh but uh we've definitely seen a few episodes in now and uh have that lovely retrospective rose colored glasses to pick things apart um i'm actually super glad we're starting a couple episodes in because um I came into this episode we're going to watch today uh, and thought, what the hell is happening? Where, what, Where's the show going? Um, I yeah. actually was really baffled by the first episode of season two. Coming off of, um, you know, not necessarily a consistent uh, <laughs> note of season one, but at least there was a clear plotted out murder mystery, right? There was yeah. an arc and a plot. And suddenly we are in unfleshed out territory finding the plot as we go. So, um, I guess I, I, I thought this episode was real all over the place, but, um, a few episodes in, some of the, uh, breadcrumbs that they've started to drop have formed some interesting paths. Um, we're not on this unified who killed Jason Blossom, uh, train where everyone's coming together towards the same end goal, but, uh, we are spreading out all over the town of Riverdale, and everyone's story is spiraling unexpectedly and out of control in, uh, a totally different direction, which yeah. is hard television to do. 
Yeah. But, um, so the first episode threw me for a loop. But uh, a couple episodes in, I'm starting to see that they're... I don't know if they know where they're going with this, but they seem to be going somewhere cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the second season so far um, for reasons that we'll probably get into more in episodes two and three. Mm-hmm. But um, they definitely involve Kevin Keller. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, My boy. Yeah. Um, oh, hey, Ryan, we haven't told our lovely listeners anything about ourselves. How are they supposed to trust us with this important subject? That's true. We, I mean, we live in Vancouver. That makes us fundamentally know. We live in awesome, Riverdale, right? So they know that we're not trustworthy because we might be able to murder somebody. <laughs> At any and moment. We're both really rich and pretty and normative. <laughs> <laughs> so rich. And normative. Well, um, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so, Kevin's my fave um, because... I thought Cheryl was your fave. Okay, no, no, Cheryl's my fave in a dramatic, over-the-top, ridiculous, you-are-stirring-shit-up kind of a way. Yeah. Um, Kevin is... Stirring stuff up. My... Remember. Yeah. (laughs) Stirring stuff up. Kevin is my Patronus character. Um, I am also a queer kid who grew up in a tiny nowhere middle of the empty void prairie town, uh, where nothing happened at all, and no one deviated from the norm. Um, so I'm super thrilled, uh, like, I, I started buying Archie comics again when Kevin Keller was introduced, like, almost ten hmm, years ago now. That's interesting. I stopped um, reading them before there was a gay character. Oh, yeah. Like, that, was, I, that was a long time ago. I, I was full done on Archie. Archie was a running joke between friends. But then they're like, oh, okay, they're actually introducing a progressive, interesting, uh, gay character. And I jumped back on that boat and bought that series, and it was great! Because it was so normal and integrated, um, which is what... I think the old comic book Archies strive for this ethereal, timeless Riverdale where everything works out. Um, obviously not the Riverdale we are watching on screen today. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, uh, I moved out to the city and, uh, queered it up and am thrilled to see this character that, um, is, uh, Getting a little more screen time this season, for one, uh, but also actually dealing with a little bit of the nuance, as we'll see in some future episodes, of uh, being gay or being queer in a small town. Yeah. And um, in a show that I think is is doing some wonderful things as far as uh, diverse visible race representation, as much as the Pussycats need more lines, every single one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I... I Arguably, and also, all of the Hispanic characters have to stop being evil. <laughs> yeah, that's a factor. That's a factor. Latinx, okay, so Latinx there's some tropes for us sorry, to dissect. Um, but within that, uh, it seems to me this is a show that does bend over backward to avoid certain super big hot button race issues and to to explore class issues from a perspective that's not directly ripped from headlines. Um, I feel like it's it's delving into a fairly contemporary and relevant place, at least of, like, privileged white gays. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting much more nuanced than that yet. I am always optimistic that maybe we'll get a, se- a sexual jughead one day. Yeah. But um, it's it's a better step than a lot of CW dramas, than any of the other trash that I swim in tends to do. <laughs> like, short of a Shonda Rhimes show, um, this, is a, this is giving us a solid, like, corporate baseline progressivism, at least. And uh, I'm super thrilled to be seeing more light and fluffy Kevin Keller time. And um, mental health as well. I've worked for about eight, nine years in the mental health care um, field, in addition to arts and culture and theater and all that jazz. And 
so as much as there are messy, messy representations in Riverdale, um, teacher-student relationships, all sorts of suicides everywhere, and then, like, just leaving you by the fire to sit in your dark thoughts after your suicide attempt, because that's a healthy choice. Um, (laughs) They are, like, delving into uh, young, angsty teen territory that is super near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I'm I'm a theater director and producer, and so the, like, dissecting of these plot lines of these stories is is my jam on any given normal day. Uh, so doing it about something that I don't have to fix, I can just take in all of its beautiful, flawed, over-the-top glory, is, uh, this is a good leisure activity. That's, uh, me, sort of. Cool. More will probably seep out as we go. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Chloe. <laughs> Oh, is it my turn? Oh, right. I think so. I'll, okay. I'll give you the lead in that. Chloe and I have been doing theater together going on seven years now. Yeah, we met in 2009. So so that's eight years. Eight years. Hey. Or did we meet in 2010? What year? What was the first year Obama was elected? Because the election happened that's the so fall. That's so long we ago. In, we were in a class. That's the first year that Obama <laughs> got elected, uh, we experienced that election more or less in a classroom, in an acting classroom, actually. Yeah. So we're coming up on nine years yeah, of years. art and friends time together. Yes. Cool. Ryan's great. Hi, I'm Chloe. Um, I was born and raised in Vancouver. Um, I'm a Canadian-American dual citizen, which um, definitely informs my identity big time. Um, um, even though I was born and raised in Canada, there are a lot of things I feel very American about. Um, so she said saying about and not about, (laughs) um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, um, I'm also queer, um, I'm pan, uh, so, and I'm also, uh, agender, I'm sort of an agender femme, I guess I would describe myself as, and, um, that definitely, I'm definitely living that weird kind of intersection of, like, hella privilege and total erasure, so it's an interesting space to inhabit, and so, um, yeah. I'm also interested in what's going to happen with Kevin Keller, even though the experience on screen is super not my experience. It was very easy for me to, um, very easy. Um, it was fairly easy to inhabit a queer space as I grew up. Um, yeah, so that's, that's me in terms of my identities. Um, uh, hey Ryan, what are your pronouns? Oh, uh, he, him. Cool. Uh, mine or she, her, um, or whatever you like. You can call me any, you can use any pronouns for me. She, her is fine. Um, uh, Thanks for checking. Yeah, of course. I feel like our listeners should know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, um, I, uh, I, I'm i a writer. Um, I am a copywriter by profession, um, and I'm probably not allowed to say who I work for because I recently <laughs> signed a contract that I would not represent them in any way. So I'm not representing the people I work for, who I'm not going to tell you who that is. But what's your other writing, Chloe? <laughs> My other writing is I'm a playwright. Um, I have also written poetry and fiction and screenplay, but mostly theater. So, um, and that's how I met Ryan. Sometimes you act. Sometimes I act. Sometimes I perform. I don't really like the term act. I don't act. I perform (laughs) sometimes. Good phrasing. Yes. Um, Ryan's also an actor sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. When needed. (laughs) When needed. Like, right now. Acting. Um, so guys... And people and girls and whoever else might be listening. All uh, our folks. All our folks. Let's uh, let's talk about Riverdale. Do we want to jump into the episode or do we want to preface anything? 
Um, so we're going to... Um, I'm ready to jump into the episode, but do you want to preface something? Yeah, let's get that Netflix okay. screen going. We're going to... We are watching the show legally, I just want to say. Yeah! <laughs> oh, we're going to have a quick shout-out while we get the internet back to <laughs> my roommate, Kay Pry, um, who's a musician, whose um, studio we're using. Thank you, Kay. Yeah! Um, Kay has an album forthcoming in... Uh, do you want to skip the recap, Riley? No, let's leave it. Okay. Um, Let's time it out for folks at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to watch the episode. We're going to talk at you while we're watching the episode. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, my roommate, Kay Pry, <laughs> who's a beautiful studio that we're using, um, mm-hmm. kind of squished together here in East Van on the top floor of Elaine May House, um, has an album forthcoming in May 2018. And Just a little plug. Did for we them. talk about, you mentioned like possibly some opening jingly music. Yeah. I don't know. You might be hearing some opening jingly music at some point before yeah. we start talking. If so, that's probably Case. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And um, I also I should also mention uh, big thanks to Mike uh, at the Thunderquack Network for uh, bringing us on board, for um, letting us play in his sandbox, and um, uh, yeah, we're happy to be here. Yeah. All right, we're going to watch the recap so we can remember what happened in season one. And I've turned the volume down so that we don't have any copyright infringement issues. <laughs> Previously on Riverdale. So many oh, things yeah. I remember. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Here's Betty being super self-righteous. Oh, Cheryl. Cheryl jumping in a river. Oh, And the ice goes. cracks. Oh, and there she goes. She's spitting. It, none of them really should have survived that, eh? Yeah, I know. So are, well, if, if you're all with the recap oh with us, if you're watching along, I don't know. how if that's, if that's how you listen. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're refreshing ourselves. We've, we've watched this episode, for sure. But um, it's funny how much of season one has, like, fallen out of my brain. As um, well. It's, it surprised <laughs> me what has and hasn't. One, one episode. Oh, there. Fred got shot. Yeah. Um, one moment from the first season that I will tell you about later, mm-hmm. because the episode has started. Our story continues. There's <laughs> Hermione looking depressed. There's... I don't think we need to summarize, necessarily, I know, just, right? You know, just Get interacting. There's a house that I 100% recognize. I feel like that's in my neighborhood. <laughs> a haunted town. All of these weird Twin Peaksy establishing shots. And I say that with full disclosure, not having watched Twin Peaks, but with a lot of <laughs> nerdy film friends who uh, make faces at me for not having watched Twin Peaks. Yeah. But um, hold on, hold on. even I can read that this is uh, playing pastiche to a whole lot of television film styles that are not traditionally earned by the CW producing. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, one thing that this opening sequence really makes me think of. It's so weird. Like, gun violence doesn't happen in Canada a lot. I'm going to assume most of our listeners will be Canadian, but just in case there aren't, gun violence isn't super common in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we have it. To, we have it, Sometimes. but it's not as common. And we all we, freak out about it when it happens. Yeah, and to see this, like, to see a shooting in a public place mm. in some, in in a place that I recognize as Canada, even though it's not supposed to be Canada, mm-hmm. um, I find really disorienting. I find this whole opening sequence really disorienting because this is so normal mm. in the States. And I remember, I, so I lived in California last year and now they're putting Fred on the table. Uh, oof, oof, blood and everything. Um, I lived in California last year and I remember I was in a lineup uh, at a 
corner store and someone took out their wallet behind me and I flinched and turned around because mm. I expected them to have a gun. Yeah. It was very strange. The complete con- uh, inverse yeah. situation. I was living in Japan last year and um, I was at a water park where a child pulled out a squirt gun and it had no orange no- nozzle. It was a shockingly realistic handgun, squirt gun. And it took me a moment to clue in, oh yeah, no one has guns here. Yeah. There's no reason to have to mark yeah. a child's toy as being not real. So different. Yeah. What were we saying about oh, topical? Oh, and here, here comes another <laughs> gun being pulled out while they're... Yeah, yeah, so one thing I love about this um, show is, like, mm. here's this kind of interesting, weird dream sequence where Fred isn't, isn't sure... Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's dying or not, you're kind of in Fred's head. Well, watching this, I was pretty sold that Fred was done. I did not think Fred was bouncing back, and I felt like all of these uh, flashy back, dreamy backs were um, were leading us towards like a, an audience only reveal, right? Something that he would never get to say, or uh, setting up a mystery. Uh, I fully did not expect Fred Andrews to live through this episode. Yeah, I didn't in. either. Actually, I was expecting him to die. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's a, a note. We should probably say we're we're probably going to be pretty spoilery about these episodes as we're going in. Uh, we're going to talk unapologetically about what's on the screen in front of us and what's coming on the screen shortly. Oh, here comes... Oh, man. The Lodges. I do love uh, Riverdale Veronica in Thank so many Veronica. ways. This mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> This weird impression of what, like, a New York City girl is. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, hang on. Sorry, I'm paying attention to the plots. <laughs> oh, they're all finding out that Fred got shot. Right. right. I remember now. Oh, there goes Jughead. Why does he always have the plaid thing tied around his waist? It's like hey Arnold kind of fashion. Can I just say... This actor is so engaging. It's partly because he's beautiful. I'm just going to be upfront about that. Cole Sprouse is adorable and um, so, like, his narration is so deeply pretentiously self-involved. Yeah, but, but it, I find him really engaging as an actor. I don't think it's just his looks. Like, yeah. he's very easy to empathize with. He's, like, so committed to this over-the-top character and performance yeah. of Jughead. and. Certainly not a direction I would ever have taken Jughead from the old comics, yeah. right? But uh, they, like, double down and double down again and double down again on yeah. who Riverdale Jughead is. And yeah. it's like, if they broke it for even a moment, I would stop believing it, I think. Um, but they are just consistently yeah. this, like, um, J.D. Salinger kind of a yeah. super self-reflective angsty, weirdo teenager. To the point that I believe it, I'm a- almost baffled by his and Archie's friendship at this yeah. point, but... I'm kind of not, though. Like, they... Like, Archie's, like, not a real jock. He's, like, one of those dudes who's pretending to be a jock. I was even friends with one or two of those in high school. He's music boy. Or that's how they framed him last season. Can we just talk about the fact that Alice Cooper's name is Alice Cooper for a sec? It's so it's great. It's spectacular. Um, oh, don't call, yeah, call, it, call Molly Ringwald. Yeah, call your mom. I really You're wanted a teenager. Molly Ringwald to be in this episode, and she wasn't. Constantly, yes. I just want Molly Ringwald to be a full-time character on Riverdale, to be honest. <laughs> um. Okay, so something yeah. about this show that I think is so real is this 
Alice Cooper's like insistence that evil people are evil. Mm. <laughs> it's like that white middle class self righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's over the top in this show, but I think it's so real. Now, even as they delve into her personal backstory and whatever her association with the serpents was, she's obviously yeah, like skirted the edges of the dark side or whatever. And, um, that's a real, real, a really real thing, too, that people yeah. with a lived experience who have gotten out of it, whether it's through luck or privilege yeah. or, uh, circumstance, uh, often get that mistaken assumption that anyone can do that, right? Yeah. And, um... I have to say, this isn't bad acting from KJ Apa here. Like, it's over the top, but he's, like, yeah. selling it. When actors try and force themselves to cry and they keep that shot, it just drives <laughs> me insane. Like, I, I consistently enjoy the acting in this. It's, yeah. When we say it's trash, it's the kind of trash we want to swim in, right? Like, roll around in it and get get it all over you. Um, is how I feel about most of these performances. We got really engaged again. Yeah, sorry. We're going <laughs> I, get, I frequently can't do other things when I'm watching television, so this podcast is going to be really interesting. <laughs> it's an experiment for all of us. Um, another, th- uh, in, in broad strokes, while we're in uh, exposition land, um, another thing I'm really enamored with with this show is the, like, really extreme contrasting lighting. You know, it creates this visual yeah, picture that this is... this is a very pretty show. Yeah. And they, they clearly spend time and energy creating this ambiance that feels so far removed from naturalism. Um, when we do move into this dream space with, with Fred's fever dream coma flashbacks or whatever they are, um, it's almost it's, it's a less jarring. It takes me a moment to recognize when am I in flashback because the entire show is so starkly lit. Hmm, it's so color-toned. Um, there's all this red-blue contrast, this, like, early 90s television-making, extreme, emotional, heightened, mm-hmm. lighting visual contrast. Um, it also gives all of the... I find it gives every face a very, like, sympathetic light. Yeah. Which is interesting. hmm And more than a lot of shows of this genre and type... Um, I believe these characters as their age more than I usually do. Like, we've got yeah. no 30-year-old Tom Welling playing no, 16-year-old Clark Kent. I mean, none of them... I mean, other than KJ Apa, I think none of them started the show as teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I do believe them. You're right, I do. Did, um... Well, Veronica's actor was quite young, but I know she no, had they're, they're started they're all in the early 20s, all younger than us, because we're approaching 30. <laughs> um, <laughs> Creeping dangerously towards, as one does. If you're lucky. Yeah. But, um, maybe that's yeah. just the experience of us coming at this show from the other side of the age spectrum. Yeah, maybe. Because I haven't, I mean, I, I, I've got my, my trash TVs, but it's been a while since I've jumped on to a CW teen drama, right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's just that they all look like babies to me because I'm five or six years older than most of them. <laughs> well, that's a switch from high school, me watching yeah. Smallville. I've never actually seen any Smallville. Also, someone needs to get Archie a change of clothes, like, throughout this whole episode. He just walks around covered in blood for a really inappropriately long time. And we know that's a conscious choice. Yeah, so this was a moment where where I thought Fred was going to die. Because the Mm. doctor's, like, what's happening right now is the doctor's out telling um, Archie that 
you know, he's not breathing on his own and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought that I, I genuinely, I know we're spoiling again, but I genuinely mm-hmm. thought the the Fred recovering drama was going to go on for some episodes. Mm-hmm. I almost expected that of the show as well, right? For a show that um, <clears throat> started with the murder of a named known character. Yeah. Um, oh, and you were back in the David Lynch, like, like Mulholland yeah. Drive light. <laughs> Weird Dreamland, or like which is which is less starkly six feet under light. I almost want to say maybe not yeah. more drive light. Not quite that extreme, but um, d- there's there's not the same visual cues I would expect for a dream, and so it was a different kind of disorienting, mm-hmm. right? There's no hazy fades, and everything else is so bold and over the top color wise, yeah. shape of the of the visuals wise that um it's more disorienting arguably that we are with fred in this perspective as everything Uh-oh. constantly falls apart in, going you know, for you. fred's crazy dreamland yeah. oh because someone's tapping on his thingy <laughs> man by the way you do when someone gets shot in the chest cavity you do not have this much time this like you you have the first five minutes and then you're usually screwed. We are wonderfully hyped. I forget that they have a dog. Hyped. I've like never oh, seen yeah. that dog. Oh, what a doge! We've talked about Jughead's dog, right? We like what? I don't. I forgot Jughead had a dog. Yeah, in the comics, it was really important that Jughead had a dog, yeah. but food was also really important. To no, Jughead here, in the like here, here's a change of clothes. Take your shower. I walk in. Oh, shower. Wait. Yeah, this, this shower? is a sexy shower. Oh, yeah. Remember? Can we just stop for a second and talk about how the show is actually about sex? Yeah. Yeah. Real, like, campy trope, obvious protagonist, protagonist, sexy times. Um, But the fact that they don't shy away and cut to black or pretend everyone's just making out constantly like the comic books did. So, um, origin story <laughs> so, um, Veronica and Archie are walking along this boardwalk that I don't recognize. I don't know where this is, actually. I think that's probably, like, Fort Ladner or Fort Langley or something. Yeah. I think a but lot of But there's no outdoor... river in Fort Langley. Huh. It's too far inland. I think. I could be wrong about that, actually. This might be a game we play from time to time. Spot that location. Yeah. <laughs> is this a That almost looks like a set, actually. Oh, yeah. This is not a real shot yeah there is no way this is a real shot also because they filmed this way before snow so funny story last year was a major snow year for vancouver yeah um that is one of the reasons we had such an extreme stark last three snow episodes they actually had snow covered locations last in, in the first season um from what i understand that was like a happy accident in a lot of ways yeah because I actually look like Middle America, <laughs> and thus of California. <laughs> we get some yeah. interesting soundstage shots. Yeah. For the season. record, it is November fourth today, and we had snow on the ground. Gosh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, that's not um, normal, y'all. Can we just talk about how wonderful Jackhead's hat is? I remember when I finally noticed it was the crown. <laughs> I was so delighted. Yes. Um, so I have to talk about the Southside Serpents for a sec. Oh, yes. Let's let's scene. talk over sexy shower scene about the serpents. Yeah. That feels I learned recently fine. someone's like AJ Apple in the street. Apparently he's rather short. They do make him look tall in the show, I have to say. Yeah. Um by the way, 
their relationship is just completely consensual, and that's so cool. Yeah, there's... That is something the show does do quite spectacularly with our major relationships, I think, is that these are... Even when they're real messed up contextually, anything to do with Veronica and her family drama, but um, these characters talk to each other and have very, like, romantic sexual encounters. Yeah. And there's no... Or there's... Yeah, and this is actually this, this moment where Veronica's walking in and we're seeing yeah. Archie, like, illuminated in the showers, like, very female gaze in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, we started that last yeah. season right out of the gate, right, with Betty Cooper and Betty and, and Kevin seeing Archie through the window and seeing how ripped he is. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I did notice there are a lot more women directing these episodes than the TV norm. I think we might be I love over that she wears 50%. her pearls into her sexy shower scene. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, Southside Serpents, can we, I just need to acknowledge what a caricature of criminals they are. Oh yeah. Like, criminals are just people, like literally <laughs> they talk like people, and these people are all like, we're edgy with our Maybe, I don't know, maybe criminals do talk like that, and I'm just naive. We know what we are. I mean, I've met people like that. I believe it's a real thing, but like everything else in Riverdale, the way, you know, Kevin and Betty, who we're seeing on screen right now, are the preppiest preps who are archetypical preps, I think the serpents contrast that. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think characters like uh, Joaquin last season were a little bit more moderated. Yeah, I guess that's true. And oh man, I wanted that love story to go somewhere so bad. Yeah, given what was set up around it, I can't see it ending any better than yeah, it did. That's true. But like, hey, Joaquin could come back next season. Actually, they're I'd talking cool about that. Joaquin right now. Mm-hmm. They're always talking about Joaquin. Charming, yeah. charming serpent. Mm. But um, oh, and Cheryl Blossom, the the gorgeous drama queen herself. <laughs> smoke-tinged white outfit and her burnt mom. She always has the most over-it expressions. Even when she is at her worst, I am delighted by Cheryl Blossom. Um, There was a terrible fire at Thornwell last night. Oh, no. (laughs) Cheryl Blossom, the maple (laughs) syrup queen. (laughs) And she is... Yeah. She gets in the breeze. I believe on the wind. <laughs> Watch how I saw her. Anyway. What? The range of, like, emotional experiences Cheryl Blossom has had in this season and few episodes oh is also just beyond over-the-top. It's, it's like, on par with her performance, with the over-the-topness of her performance, right? Um, that not only does she lived this hyperdramatic life and performed this hyperdramatic character. But, like, actually, though, get that woman some counseling. Yeah. Like, her entire family is real, is messed, real up. messed up. Um, but she still floats through as this bizarre, like... Oh, <laughs> Betty and Archie are about to have this stupid fight. Anyway, sorry, yeah. go on. Um, I, I want to call her, like, an evil fairy godmother of sorts, because she likes to just stick her finger in and stir, stir problems up Maleficent? Everywhere. Is she basically Maleficent? Kind of. Well, Maleficent? yeah, and if you don't invite her to your party, she will wreck you and your children for generations. I know. That is, that is a good Cheryl comparison Maleficent. to Cheryl Blossom. 
It's like oh, on man. a show that's super I want super to write a love story about Cheryl Blossom and Maleficent now. I just dropped my earring on the floor. Do it. I will read your fanfic, Chloe. Thank you. I will support you and find a home for it. There's a portal somehow in Riverdale. Oh. Oh, yeah. Archie is asking Veronica to go. Veronica is going to not respect his boundaries and stay, but, like, probably a good idea under the circumstances. Yeah, all things considered. Um, Archie needs a grown-up, and at the moment, Veronica seems to be the closest thing. Yeah. Which is okay. not saying much, but... Take a deep breath. Make the responsible I choice. I do not respect your boundaries. Yeah, that's problematic as teenagers in a in a relationship. Yeah, except, like, also don't leave your unhappy friends and partners alone. Like, ideal outcome here is call his mom? Yeah, I don't know. Call he really the, couldn't call get the child's for mom? this episode. <laughs> like, they are kids. They are children. They are kids here. Who should oh, be legally monitored in some way. Crying. Oh, he's upset. He is such a puppy. He is such a sad little Archie puppy. You know puppy. that he says that Vancouver is boring? Yeah, I heard that. I don't fault him. Really? If you came from LA. KJ Appa, you call me. We'll, <laughs> I'll show you where the parties are at, dude. We will go to the weird niche theater stuff, yeah. KJ. But, um, Not even the weird theater stuff. Like, you're an actor, you like emotions, we'll find you something to do. <laughs> Just don't buy drugs, because they might have fentanyl in them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no jingle jangle for anyone. God, we haven't gotten a jingle jangle no, yet, have we? but we have to have a long conversation about that the name, name of that jingle drug. jangle. Like, not since Star Wars Death Sticks have... I found a drug name so patently absurd and chosen by someone who has negative idea or understanding. I keep looking. So we just got a quick shot of the of the dude in the ski mask who actually shot Fred Andrews. Yeah. And our mystery um, of the season. Our mystery of the season. And I'm trying to guess who it is if we've met him, but I can't think of anyone who has green eyes like that. Mm-hmm. And like we could go deep sleuth and like compare close ups of every character who's been on screen. Oh god. No. But no, I don't... (laughs) I want it to be revealed. I actually am not, at this point, even Mm -hmm. three episodes in. We haven't Mm -hmm. watched episode four yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really care who it is yet. (laughs) I also don't believe I have any shot at guessing. This isn't a show that wants me to guess or know, right? Like, this is a show that is setting up the roller coaster for us. Get on and hold on. This isn't, in my opinion, a whodunit, really. Because at no point are the facts laid out for us in any way that we can draw our own conclusions. I think we get one or two an episode, and yeah. those are coupled with a big red herring almost every single time. Mm. Um, so that's certainly not how I engage with this. Um, I am killing sons was conceivable, was it? Yeah. Well, one father killed one son, and they were crazy rich and apparently selling lots of drugs. Yeah. But there you go. It is strategically a moment right before a a Lodge parent exposition shot. So I really want to like Hermione Lodge. I know we're currently watching Jughead and Betty have feelings and motorcycle it up. This couple is so beautiful. They're just so attractive. I'm objectifying (laughs) them both so hard right now. I'm doing something that is against my politics, but they're just so beautiful. It's definitely encouraged by this show. Yeah, I have a crush on both. Wonderful shots it gives us. 100%. 
I I am not optimistic for them in well, no, their <laughs> in their West Side Story oh, crazy straight yeah, nonsense. We're at some Latinx realness in this like Catholic chapel. Oh, Catholic chapels! All of this. I really have a. I mean, is is, is there someone who's Latinx on the writing team? I would hope so. I mean, it could be a simple diversity call of of let's have a uh, Latinx Veronica. I hope there's someone on the autistic team who can speak to those lived experiences. Because it does seem like we jump around from some very pastiche surface identity cues. Like a little Spanish here. Here we are. Yeah. Um, Catholic imagery. At the same time, we have three talented actors who... Oh, right. Veronica just accused Hermione of trying to bump off Fred Andrews. Which... In this world's lodges, I wouldn't put it past them. I'm not sold it wasn't. Oh yeah, as I was saying before, I want to like Hermione Lodge so much. Yeah. Uh, everything about Hermione last season, I was what so on board. Oh, Miha? Miho? Mi- uh, Miha means my girl. Maybe Miha is just a contraction. I don't know anything. Yeah. Never mind, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything. <laughs> Latinx listeners, feel free to correct us in our pronunciation. Yeah. We're... Also, we can do our own emotional alert and look it up, which we will <laughs> at the conclusion of this episode. Yes. <laughs> Full disclosure, we are a, a couple of white North Americaners yeah. who uh, are trying real hard to learn, and trying to learn better than Riverdale is <laughs> going to teach us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here comes Reggie. Here comes the princess. Here comes a new Reggie. Fresh new Reggie. Oh, that's right. Reboot Reggie. It's worth acknowledging. There's not much else to say about Reggie yet. But I have missed these pussycats. Remember when, like, they were definitely billed as lead characters? Yeah. I want (laughs) the Josie and the Pussycats spinoff show real bad. Yeah. That'd be good. Or even just... Josie takes the Pussycats out of Riverdale and tries tries to, like, make it in the industry instead of playing local gigs. And not having an album, but having a career. Al- I'm, s- Al- I'm sorry, album? I don't know. Album? How album. do I say it, Chloe? There's, no, there's only one L. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, in the vein of, like, super unrealistic things, the Pussycats arts career in Riverdale... Is definitely one of them to me. Yeah. Although, to be fair, like, I know small town bands who play local gigs and have building success and local yeah. following, but I am slightly, maybe this is my, like, city arts perspective, but I'm real confused by the Pussycats. Yeah. Uh, especially with, with, um, uh, Josie's dad being an international jazz singer, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I would, I, like, to be fair, I've, known artists like that, small town artists, but um, it's uh, just a weird career choice, the way Josie's framed as, I guess, this small town superstar. It's interesting as an yeah, internal world thing. It is. But it feels weird as an industry thing. Yeah. I want to know more, but like, I want, I'm, one of my favorite sections of the last season was when Josie and, I forget the name, the name of the character that Archie dated. Valerie. Valerie, right, thank you, Valerie. Um... Uh, the interactions with them I thought were really mm-hmm. good plot. And Valerie was 
so too good for Archie. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Too real. The derpy puppy dog and the like super driven, talented artist who Archie like did not know <laughs> how to dog, um how to music, how to art, and was like Riding Val's coattails. A little, oh god, sorry, there's a big puddle of blood. Yeah. In Pop's diner. Cause like, Pop. that's another too real thing of like, yeah. who actually cleans up violent assaults? It's actually just you a lot of the time. Is that true? I know, I, I assume I the cops so. came in and fixed things. I don't know, I'm not sure, I but know, I, I don't, don't think necessarily on private residence. Uh, yeah. Like, I believe there are specialty cleaning mm-hmm. services, but like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I also, like, I want Pop to have a backstory, too, and to be a bit more of a player. Yeah. There's a lot of supporting players that, like, yeah. from a comic book perspective, I mean, we'll touch on the Grundy mess later. I don't... But... So, okay, so this line, I think, is important. Pop just says, I don't even remember calling the cops, but I guess I did. Mm. That, I think, is going to mean something later. Hey... Yeah. Good catch. Wasn't I just saying how it's just, not a whodunit? But good catch! Yeah. But if... Oh, man. This man is cool with something else. Ah, uh, Pops. I really want you to be a fully fleshed out character. Like the angel of death would come to Riverdale. This is what I mean. Like, a, a, a little soundbite like the... Mm-hmm. That was totally a, a like trailer soundbite, right? Yeah, but that's but like, but it also like a soundbite like the Angel of Death is like creepy, and here it is plonk in the middle of this bubblegum show. Mm-hmm. The hyperbolic statements thing. Wasn't there something about Jughead never eating? Oh yeah, that was definitely a first season comment, and so there, I I, I heard really widespread eating. glee for Jughead digging into his burger in this scene, yeah. um, Ooh, relishing his burger. burger and saying, "I could always eat." I always want those milkshakes, too. They're beautiful. I wish I could drink milk. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll live vicariously through your milkshakes, Chloe. The contrast of the perfect 50s diner with this stark, dark lighting and this big old dramatic angel of death reveal. I know. And the next episode is called Nighthawks. Do you know that painting? No. Is that... Oh, Nighthawks um, is the famous painting where they're at the bar and they all look lonely in the dark street. Yeah. I didn't know the name of that. Yeah, Nighthawks. There's a couple of really wonderful poems about Nighthawks. The amount of, like, okay. homage and reference <laughs> in this show. This. Like, <laughs> smart, nerdy people are making this show happen. Yeah, I know. And they know what they're making. Yeah. I think that I is something that helps me jump on board with this, right? Yeah. That, like... I believe some real creative folk are sitting at, sitting behind the monitors of this show. Yeah, so I love this scene between Betty and Jughead mm. because Betty is also replicating those middle-class white tropes of, like, you're being indoctrinated by the servants. Mm. Servants, the servants, oh my god. <laughs> um, the, 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 the jacket and the motorbike, and you're turning into them, you know. Yeah, and, you're changing. Um... Uh, and Jughead's yeah. going like, no, like these are just my family. Yeah, um, that's what I've got. I literally have a motorbike to get around. Yeah, yeah. This show has delved into class divide. Yeah, in um in an over the top way. Yeah, but 
whereas I think a lot of contemporary social issues they're they're very mindful of of not bringing into focus yeah um when it comes to this class split hyperbolic as it is um I like what they're doing with it but okay yeah now we're also distracted by the fact that Cheryl is like talking (laughs) down her burnt mom this Cheryl Blossom scene this is the note of Cheryl this season this is this is her moment Yes, I will threaten burn victim mom. Yeah, just menacing Cheryl. Leaning on the oxygen pipe. Like, this is a Cheryl who is not messing around anymore. At all. Oh my goodness, that bending the oxygen tube. This is like a Cheryl who will straight murder you and then smile. With my blessing. CMs. <laughs> Without touching too much on what Archie's doing in later episodes, I'm so interested in this anti-hero, borderline protagonist, antagonist, Cheryl, who yeah. establishes real quickly, we'll mess you up. We'll burn the house down with you in it. Um, literally, not metaphorically. And yet is still a perspective character. We are with her. And that's interesting. I'm sorry, I got distracted by the show again. I went back. <laughs> Veronica buying expensive gifts again. It's how she copes. You are the best girlfriend ever. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Look at all this hot hetero love right now. Ronnie, I love that he calls all over the place. I really like how Veronica oscillates between super aware, super mature, super taking care of things, and then these moments where, like, she's New York Ronnie. Yeah. She makes an obvious blunder, because that's the only coping option she knows. Like, I will buy you an expensive wallet, versus I'm gonna bring food for everyone. Yeah. Are two very different ways of grief coping. Yeah. I forget this plot point, actually, that Archie's about to tell them all something at the table, and I can't remember. Oh, yeah. What well, is? it's it's that he chickened out. He was a coward by his oh. own internalized uh, patriarchal assumptions about what one should do in an emergency. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, this really bugged me. Yeah. Well, this is, this is territory that, like, I don't get. Uh... Because I'm not the quarterback on a middle America football team, I guess. I guess. But I, I also think that, like, someone has a gun to your head. You don't, like... Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Um. Like, I guess it's good that this doesn't resonate with us this moment. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in who this resonates with. Right? Especially yeah. where the rest of the season has gone into this strange... I know. Oh, man. I'm so excited land. to talk about guns in Vigilante America. So excited. <laughs> Whether I feel this or not, the fact that they began with fear. Yeah. And with failing to live up to an unreasonable expectation. Yeah, I could have taken the gun away from that guy. I was a coward. Like, it's not reasonable. Yeah, that's... Are you checking? <laughs> Ryan keeps glancing over my shoulder to see if I'm talking loud enough into the mic. Which is very cute. I just want to make sure it's still recording, Chloe. Oh, Although right. I did I did check when you were whispering okay. Cheryl's lines, I'll admit that. 
I think that I, uh, if we, I can't turn off Jackie Brain. It's okay. <laughs> I think that if we speak at a normal level, it's actually going to pick us up because this is a very sensitive mic. Yeah. But I'm getting distracted from the fact that KJ Apra is strolling down on Hospital Highway. And then he's walking and by through highway, yellow I mean hallway. Whoops. <laughs> Blue light and then yellow light. Uh, it's all sorts of light. Oh. So much light. And here's Cheryl kissing Trent Andrews' head. What are you doing? Good question. Here's Cheryl being weirdly inappropriate again. <laughs> The kiss of life, Archie Andrews. She loves him. She just doesn't want to admit it. That's my opinion. I'm not sold she understands that emotion at the moment. I know, that's partly what I mean. Like, <laughs> she just, like, I think she's, like, really drawn to Archie and she doesn't know how to articulate it other than to manipulate him because I suppose she understands his affection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Of course, that no one in life is like that. <laughs> See, I just, like. That's a joke for all you listeners. <laughs> what? Sometimes I just want to give Cheryl a hug. Oh, yeah, huge. Like, I feel very sorry for people who are that privileged. I'm really, like, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I complain about not being privileged in certain ways, but, like, mm-hmm. when everything gets handed to you, it usually messes you up, in my opinion. Yeah. And, like, she's coping remarkably well with literally losing everything. I just need... To acknowledge that we're in the weird wedding sequence. Yeah. Veronica looks fantastic, and there are also kilts and a bagpipe, and Kevin Keller, sorry, Sheriff Keller is in full uniform. <laughs> this is when I remember that, I guess, I, Andrews? Andrews, yeah. Yeah. And red hair is a, yeah. like, Celtic Gaelic trope. And, like, Some... John Dad is still wearing his hat, <laughs> even though he's in a kilt suit. Oh my god. Also, the fact that where is this Fred's coma dream? Oh, there's Molly oh. Ringwald for one shot. Yeah, they they could afford her. They could afford her for one. How long is that? Okay, two shots. Um, two shots. I mean, this could be any field, to be fair. No, but where are they? Maybe they're in a set. Now, I'm thrown by one of Fred's like death, life flashing before your eyes fantasies what? is this one? is seeing his son's wedding. But like filling in Veronica is an interesting nuance for me. Yeah. <laughs> and just dead people are there, but Hiram Lodge isn't. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, they haven't revealed him yet. I gotta come back so I can be there at my son's wedding. I was so convinced he was dead. Yeah. Up till this moment. I was so convinced Fred Andrews was done. That sounds insensitive. It is. This show does not encourage sensitivity in me, <laughs> I must say. Except with these sad, people. sad teenagers. Who, up till this oh, season, man. up till this season, the show did do a pretty decent job of showing, like, bumbling teenagers in over their heads and adults yeah. who should know better. Yeah. We have kind of lost some of the adults this season. They've, they've, yeah. They're lurking. They're, <laughs> they're lurking. lurking. Uh, yeah, so far it's been very teen-centric until the arrival of... Of someone. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that later. That drama-lama. That drama-lama. Those drama-lamas. This is a drama-lama show. Ooh, there's rain. Oh, look at that peachy light over there. It's it's, it's also color-toned. Yeah. It's so beautifully color-toned. And, like, not even all in post. You, I don't think you can get that kind of conflicting lighting on a face just in post. I... With this vibrance. Would not know. I might be overblowing my own knowledge. I have an amateur hobbyist knowledge mm-hmm. of color correction. Full disclosure. Also, you're very close to my ear. <laughs> I love your tongue. Sorry, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you need to do or explore, I support you. Well, that's a dangerous sentence to say when you're a teenager, but God, they're so hot. Look at them kissing. You care about them as a couple. I care about their lighting. 
I, that's where I we're don't at care right about now. them as a couple. I care about the sex scene that I didn't get. I'm mean, like really disappointed. No. I want that Juggy Betty sandwich, <laughs> Chloe. It's okay. Ew. Why did you have to say it like that? <laughs> I can't help but ruin the image of the fantasy for you. Oh, uh oh. Servants! Lurking. Court of the White Worm, I don't remember. Beating someone for you. Oh, so this is a non-swearing show, but the word B-I-T-C-H is perfectly acceptable. I don't know if we're allowed to say it on air, but... Oh, this is this is not a non-swearing show. I've not heard the F word. That's true, that's true. Uh, they definitely done what you asked. I was, I might have had a point you there, but the I got... Man, that's important to us. Drawing my servants style. Maybe I just don't know anything about being a criminal. <laughs> That's good. That's that's a good thing, right? Is there music playing? Yeah, Sometimes yeah, tell yeah. me there's music playing, but I can't hear music playing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is. This isn't an episode where I cared too much about it, but I do like... There are certain sound design yeah. moments in this show. Interestingly, another thing I liked about Twilight. Sound design? Here's... Yeah, I thought, oh, the soundtrack was really good. Mm. Um, here's Highland Lodge. And she drank crystal. So, so disrespectful. So maybe these are the new um, blossoms of this season. Like that's what I'm getting so far. Yeah. Um, but beautiful. instead of being weirdly wasp aloof and unknowable, they have this almost telenovela mafia ambiance going on. Yeah. I, I like that was totally a kiss on the cheek of pay, paying respect, um, in an almost Sopranos-y way. Um, Mr. Andrews woke up. Yeah, the power struggle of Veronica and her parents is weird this season. Yeah, especially in episode three when there is a certain scene between Hermione and Hiram that we'll get to. Yeah. Whoa, oh. I, I fully agree Hiram Lodge seems to be the supervillain this season. Oh, here's See, Molly. there's oh, Molly. Molly. Someone was responsible and called his mom. I wonder if she just doesn't act that much. I don't know that much about Molly Ringwald's later career, actually. Hmm. But I... This... Here's Archie with his baseball bat. Sitting yeah. up there. Man, traumatized teenagers. Deeply traumatized. Don't leave them alone. Put them to bed. No one notices that he sits up all night. <laughs> Yeah. Watching the door. There's... Archie intended to keep that promise. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to start a war. Yeah. The soundtrack is singing. Which I probably wouldn't have noticed if we weren't watching it because I didn't. Oh, the angel of death. Right. Angel Here's of death the, again. He's the beetle bug. Setting up by hyperbole. And now this scene. Yeah. Oh, boy. Grandy, grandy, grandy. Yeah, man, such... Easily my least favorite thing from season one. I will say that right out of the gates. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I'm not here for anything, Grundy. I... Weird feelings about what's just about to happen, because uh, yeah. it's never great for women to be murdered on screen yeah. for furthering someone women. else's plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, but she also... Like yeah, yeah, she's she's, she's awful. She's yeah, it's so interesting. I have such mixed feelings about 
I still didn't want to see her die. Certainly not like this. No, I just have mixed feelings about completely like, oh yeah, this is Mm -hmm. really terrifying. This, what is he using? A riding crop? (sighs) No, the cello bow. Yeah. I also have a lot of frustrations with how murders are shown on screen and the, the like attack from behind strangulation murder feels violent in a different way that shooting someone in the daylight does. Yeah. These are different types absolutely. of violence, right? Well, that's the end of the episode, guys. Yeah. We're just going to pause it for a sec. Um, what I was going to say about Grundy was that um, I have mixed feelings about children who are not legally old enough to consent, but who are um, mm-hmm. emotionally able to consent. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think, just just to like clarify, I'm not endorsing underage humans and overage humans having sex with each other. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But I have such mixed feelings about that particular pairing. Right. And then also I feel totally grossed out by like the teacher having sex with their student. It's it, so yeah. upsetting. I feel like the show has mm-hmm. chosen to side with that as well, with that, that this is negative mm-hmm. in the fact that they've, they've, inserted a new victim, essentially, that she is, yeah. again, having an affair with a music student, and they're showing a serial pattern with us, which, um, like, I appreciate, because I felt yeah. like they really played the ambiguity in a way that yeah, is I agree. They not, really necessary, one. not necessarily healthy relationship modeling in any way. No. <laughs> uh, even in a ridiculous, over-the-top, sexy teens show uh, in season one. Like, I was super glad to see Grundy leave. Yeah. And I would have been perfectly happy her dying off screen. But I I understand, I guess, the drama that they milked yeah. from that, well, that scene we just watched at the end. So what's our takeaway from this episode? Well, my original takeaway was, what's happening? I don't care anymore. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the first time I watched this episode, um, I was kind of disappointed. But um, now that I see where some of it's going, and now that they're not... Milking Grundy. Yeah. This continual present, continued presence. Yeah, I did have a split second of like, oh, Grundy's back. How do I feel about that? I don't know how I feel about that. Whoa, she's getting strangled. Then I didn't, yeah, didn't have to think about it or feel anything about it at all. Yeah. Um, and nor did she. Oh, goodness. But this sure sets up a whole new set of conflict uh, that I recognize better with a little perspective and time. Yeah. That in the moment watching this, it, I felt real scattered. Yeah, it just felt like lukewarm season one I have to say what didn't come like charge out of the gate this particular episode Mm -hmm. but I think the season is improving I agree with you as we go on I'm excited to keep going yeah which I think brings us to the end of the episode unless we have more things to say I mean, I think I said most of what I need to say about this episode yeah I might have more reflections and opinions about future episodes yeah which you know, when, when there's a little more narrative consistency rather than just setting up the chessboard mm-hmm. for the next game is how I would yeah. frame this Yeah, it's definitely a set-up episode. With... Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, we're going to start talking about the other episodes if we keep going, aren't we? We are, so okay. maybe we should wrap it there. All right. Well, this has been lots of fun. We're excited to talk about the rest of Riverdale. Um, I'm Chloe. And I'm Ryan. And, um, and this is Riverdale Gang. Thanks for hanging with us, gang. Thanks. Um, big thanks, just in case we have to do this for the the things. Um, thank you, <laughs> Patreon, for supporting this podcast. Um, and thank you, Mike. And thank you... The Thunderquack team in general. The Thunderquack team in general. Is it Patreon? I've always pronounced it Patreon. It might be Patreon. 
I Who knows? Know. So many words that I've only ever read and not spoken mm. aloud. Yeah. Uh, internet jargon I get yeah. a pass for there. The right album, that's me. That's all me. That's my album. Problem. Album. But but internet words are made up and very new. Accurate. Okay. <laughs> See you guys next episode. Bye.